When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to the new Mutual Audio Network. Welcome home. The following audio drama is rated PG-13, suggesting that all children under the age of 13 should listen accompanied with an adult. I'm Jack Ward, and you're ambling along with myself and David Ault as we make our way through the prairies of Nova Scotia to get the Cowlet herd back to the Mutual Audio Barn for the winter. How's it going, David? I, I don't want to complain, but did you have to get me a side saddle? Does this have something to do with this week's show? Well, you'd think that, David, but don't worry. If you flip up the cap of the pommel of the saddle, you can switch it between Western Standard, English Hunt, and side saddle. Flip the toggle and the saddle should adjust accordingly. Let me just... Oh, well, what do you know? Western aesthetic mixed with tortoise tech, I'm certain. This week we have our own side quests to listen to as we play episodes one through four for that series. Side questing is a fantasy podcast about avoiding the main plot. It follows Rian, an adventurer who's willing to help just about anyone out as long as they're not being asked to deal with the scary wizard everyone keeps talking about. And our show begins right here... On the Sonic Society! The town of Pigsmire is finally on the horizon. Mom would stick up her nose about where I am, but hey, an adventurer's gotta start somewhere. I heard that this town has a sword stuck in a stone. A classic, if somewhat rare, phenomena. I think the last time somebody found a sword in a stone was... a century ago? Nobody was really sure how it got there, and they definitely don't know how this one got there now. But as soon as word spread, people started flocking to Pigsmire to try their hand at retrieving the sword. There are knights, some scholars, and lots of adventurers, like me. I'm not here to get the sword, though. I'm here to scare them all away. At first, the town was excited about all the fame and fortune coming their way. Their inns at max capacity, their taverns bursting with business. But now they're sick of all the tourists leaving trash and starting brawls. They want everything to go back to the way it was. And they're willing to pay for it. I have an old friend who lives here. She sent me a letter laying all this out. Since the town can't exactly advertise this job on the local postings, she offered it to me. Instead of as a friend, I'm coming as a very serious, possibly nefarious... Bandit? Pirate? Witch? 
I haven't decided. I still need to figure out how to scare all these folks off. I'm not a wizard. I can't summon scary weather or make fireworks or anything. I hardly have a weapon. My dagger is pretty small and not exactly frightening. I also don't want to try sneaking up and stabbing everyone in line. It seems a little unsportsmanlike. As I walk into town, I understand exactly why everyone wants these sword-crazed tourists to leave. It's so crowded. You can't walk through without bumping into at least 17 people. At least three people have stepped on my feet, and I think someone tried to steal my trail mix. I cannot leave the crowds behind fast enough. It takes forever to make it to the tavern, which is also overcrowded and dirty. But I finally see Willow. Oh, Ryan! You made it! Thank the gods! I now fully understand why you want these tourists to leave. Yeah, I just wish someone would succeed in getting that darn sword. Or that they would all decide it was impossible and give up and go home. I don't know. They all seem pretty set on trying. Again, and again, and again, and again. I swear, if one more person brings their pet ogre in here to help them, I'm gonna lose it. (laughs) Well, I'm prepared to make their time here a little more chaotic. How are you gonna do that? I passed by a few things on my way here that gave me an idea. Do you know who owns those pigs over there? Also, do you know the tailor and the baker? It's a small town. Of course I know them. Excellent. It takes some time, but Willow and I soon have our plan worked out and everything we need ready. Willow knows her cue, and I know when to start. We've also enlisted the baker and tailor to help spread panic. I don the largest, darkest cloak I've ever seen in my life and strap on a pair of stilts. I have created a ridiculous persona for myself, fitting for this equally ridiculous plan. I make my way towards the biggest gathering of people, right where the sword is. People are already staring. I knew these stilts were a good idea. I turn to them and shout in my deepest, scariest voice. Hear ye and be warned. This sword is for my master. Be gone at once or there will be consequences. Some tourists are wary, but others still look skeptical. But then Willow jumps on a chair, exactly as we planned. Yeah, you and what army? My army of swine. I point at her and she falls back throwing a cloud of flour up. She did such a great job hiding it in her skirts. When it settles, a pig stands by the chair. I know it looks confused because Willow has rolled around the corner and pushed it there. But the tourists don't know that. They interpret the confused look as the face of someone who has been turned into a pig. Thank you for volunteering to join it, girl. Who's next? That's the second cue. Willow causes what can only be described as a pig stampede. And that does it. Nobody wants a chance being turned into a pig. All shall fear the great warlock Everett Ezekiel Whitefall. 
I guide the pigs around town, occasionally shouting various nonsense and threats. I burst into the inn, sending people packing. Word spreads through the taverns before I even get there. Even the locals have scurried to their houses and shops. Not scared of the pigs, but not wanting to get trampled by them either. I catch the baker's eye through the window of the shop and give him a wink. It's exhausting leading these pigs around, but it's working. As I do a second and then third lap around the town, there's less and less and less people. Eventually, I corral my swine cohorts back to their pen. The town feels so much larger without all the tourists. Finally, everyone is gone. The courtyard is empty and silent. Everyone has either left town or is hiding in their homes. After all the commotion of the day, the sword looks especially still. It's silly to think about walking over there and giving it a pole, but it would be silly to come all this way and not touch it, right? <sighs> I'll probably regret it if I don't try. Nobody's here to see me and laugh about it. What the hell? Why not? Oh. Oh! That was... really easy. And this sword is really nice. Can I keep it? I guess I can keep it. That's the deal, I think? Molly, 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 look, they have a no, sword! No, kid! Shh! What, child? Oh my, the sword has been pulled from the stone. Did I hear correctly? Our hero has finally come? The great knight from the stories of old? I'm not a knight. Sorry to disappoint. Welcome to our town. What is your name? Didn't they say they were Everett something something uh Whitefail? Whitefall. Uh <laughs> no, that wasn't me. I'm Orion. Sir Orion, our hero knight. I'm not a Oh. It's as the prophecy says. Whatever. We're saved from the evil wizard Movar. Orion, hero knight. You, uh, couldn't have tried pulling the sword before setting the pigs loose? That would have been way less fun. <sighs> Here's the money I promised you. Hey, do hero knights get paid extra? You're not a knight. Touché. Thank you for side-questing with us. This episode, Hero Night, was written and produced by Tao Minir. The voice of Willow was Cena Breyer. The townspeople were voiced by Catherine Shepard, Francesco Macagno, Roger Moore, and Luca Pill. The voice of Ryan was Tao Minir. A big thanks to Ilya for supporting this episode. We're on Twitter and Tumblr with the username at SideQuestingPod, and Instagram as at SideQuesting. Follow us for show updates, podcast recommendations, cat pictures, and a link to our Patreon. Because they leave for people like us, living is a choice. This world is an illusion, an illusion of order and safety, and the chaos beyond is the only true reality. Wherever you end up, whatever happens, 
we'll find each other again at the end of it. And what if there's nothing left of me to find? So, do not fear. I will not abandon you to your troubles. For behold, I am coming soon. And for that reason, I need to get back to her. I need to escape this place. I need you to find me. <gasps> the Sheridan Tapes, the final season, premieres October 6th, 2023 at 5 p.m. Pacific time on all podcasting platforms. Dans le fond, peu importe avec qui je place mon argent pour ma retraite, c'est du pareil au même. Ben non. Au fond, en investissant dans un fer, un REER ou un CELI, vous soutenez les entreprises d'ici. Visitez fondsftq.com pour lire les prospectus et découvrir l'offre complète du Fonds de solidarité FTQ. T'as eu ça chez Couchetard? Oui, j'ai caché mon badge de héros dans un endroit secret. Mais quelqu'un pourrait écouter. As-tu les coordonnées de l'endroit secret? Ma poche arrière-gauche. Bien reçu. Je commence la collection de tous les autres badges de héros DC chez Couchetard. Obtenez un badge de héros DC gratuit chez Couchetard lorsque vous dépensez 10 en magasin ou que vous faites le plein de 30 litres d'essence. Collectionnez-les tous pour un temps limité, seulement chez Couchetard. Jouez aussi en ligne pour courir la chance de gagner des prix. Des conditions et des restrictions peuvent s'appliquer. 18 ans et plus. Détails sur jeu.couchetard.com I've been traveling for a few days now. I'm making my way towards the town of Runswick, and I'm almost there. Of course, I said that to myself yesterday. But I knew I was lying then. The Mountain Moon Road is a popular travel route to this town, especially for those with horses or wheels. By wheels, I mostly mean carriages and trailers, but I did once see a mage with the coolest wheeled chair just absolutely zooming down it. It's wide and flat and usually the safest route for travel. I took a shortcut from Pigsmire that skipped most of the road, but the last leg of my journey takes me down it. As I survey my path, I notice someone else on an outlook above the road. I wonder where they're headed. If they're going towards Runswick, maybe I'll have a travel buddy. We both look over as a carriage comes into view, making its way along the road. It's a beautiful teal color, with a crest painted on the side in white. The carriage runs smoothly, pulled by two horses being directed by some sort of guard seated in front. Looks like it's a lord's carriage. I know there's a castle nearby. Wonder if it's his. Hang on, what happened to the person on the outlook? Oh, how are they already down here? And why are they running at the carriage? Oh, oh, it's a bandit. They're gonna rob the carriage. I watch as the bandit gets to the carriage. They hop up and in a swift move, knock the guard on the ground. Before she can do anything, they've already tossed her weapons away. Wow, they're sneaky and fast. I sprint down the hill. By the time I get near, the bandit has already tied up the driver. Whoever's inside the carriage seems to have taken the cower-in-fear approach. Alright. The bandit is interrogating them when I walk up. I don't think to draw my sword, but I'm holding my dagger out in what I hope is a threatening manner. Hey. Hey. What's going on?
I am under attack by this ruffian. I can see that. I was talking to the, er, ruffian. Ruffian? (laughs) Excuse me? He was the one who sent thugs to steal from me. They raided my shop in the dead of night and stole almost all the weapons from it. Did you really do that? (laughs) Of course not. (laughs) You liar. I know it was you. I wasn't able to stop your thieves, but I followed them. And the thugs delivered their stolen wares to a carriage with your seal on it. This very carriage, in fact. That could have been my brother. His carriages share our family seal. Your driver is armed with one of the weapons you stole. Rather, was armed. Look, see my stamp on the blade? This is my handiwork. Nothing to say to that, huh? I make only the best swords, and I work hard to do it. I can't believe you would undermine months of work! You, who could easily afford the price of all the wares in my shop! The audacity! You would rather pay low-life thugs to steal goods than a blacksmith The bandit takes the Lord's silence as an opportunity to continue berating him. I'm thinking about how compelling this bandit's argument is. They seem to be telling the truth. At any rate, the Lord is a terrible liar. Even if the bandit's information is wrong, they're not hurting the Lord, just yelling at him. I'm still considering who I should help when the Lord goes for a dagger hidden in his coat. The bandit is too caught up in their lecturing to notice, but before the Lord can do anything, I wrest the dagger away. Well... I know who I'm helping now. Well caught, adventurer. You know what? I'm on your side. Call me Ryan. I'm Scout. I believe you've saved my life. You tried to attack them. With a dagger. I can't believe it. This was not part of our arrangement. Neither was getting tied up. What kind of shoddy hired sword are you? I'd rather get tied up instead of harming someone you stole from. I like her. So, what are you going to do with him? I'm going to hold this no-good lord hostage until I recover my weapons. And payment for my time here. Aren't you worried about more thugs being sent after you? (laughs) They won't catch us by surprise a second time. (laughs) Fair enough. Are you heading back to your shop, then? Yep, it's up the road, at Ashwald Village. I'm actually headed that way, too. Do you want help, uh... Babysitting? I'm not a child. Oh, shut it. And what should I do with you? With your permission, I could go back to the Lord's Keep and inform his family of the ransom. It will get you your payment much faster. How do I know you won't follow and attack me? I'm done working for this... this... jerk! (gasps) Traitor! Sure, whatever. I don't work for thieves. I set out to do honest work, and I'm certainly not stopping now. Okay. Yeah. I'll untie you. Please take this sword back. I've learned that my weapon belongs to you. I do not feel comfortable using stolen wares. 
Do you have anything to protect yourself with? Merely my fists. But they can do some damage. Why don't you keep the sword? Consider it payment for delivering the ransom message. And consider it a bribe for not killing us now that you're free. You have my word that I will deliver the message. And... and not kill you. Thanks. I'm a big fan of not dying. The guard accepts the sword from the bandit, and the two of them work out the details of the ransom terms, away from earshot of the lord. I glare at him while he pouts. He does quite the pout. Soon the guard is on her way down the path with one of the horses. The lord is tied up in his carriage, and Scout and I are walking beside the horse pulling it. Despite the, uh, bad vibes we're getting from our hostage, it's easy traveling. I'm learning a lot about Scout. They've been training as a blacksmith since they were a teen. With the exception of a few years traveling through towns to learn more of the art, they've lived in Ashwald their whole life. Scout also has a partner who I can tell they're absolutely smitten with. Her name is Marissa, and she sounds stunning. Scout is also learning some things about me. Or my sword, at least. Hey, out of curiosity, why do you have a sword tied to your back? I don't have a scabbard. Who buys a sword and not a scabbard? I didn't buy it. Who steals a sword and not a scabbard? Didn't steal it, either. Then, how'd you get it? I pulled it out of a rock. Long story. The craftsmanship of the blade is simply superb. That's a good sword you have there. Be sure you take care of it. Thanks. It's growing on me. I may have an extra scabbard I could give you, as thanks for your assistance. It would be a shame to leave this blade exposed to the elements. That would be great. Thank you. It turns out I got my travel buddy after all. They ask to hear the story of the sword, so I tell it with only a few embellishments. Just a little. It's my only cool story, and I want to look good. We switch off telling stories along the way, and get to the town before we know it. I go with Scout to their shop, and also get to meet Marissa. She insists I stay for dinner. Scout also gives me a scabbard, as promised, and it's absolutely beautiful. I can't stay long, since I've still got to get to Runswick, but you bet I stay through dessert. Marissa even makes some for the Lord, though he doesn't get to sit around the table with the rest of us. Ha. I'm a little sad that I've got to head out without knowing for sure if Scout gets paid, but something tells me they will. I don't think that guard will take no for an answer. Thank you for side-questing with us. This episode, Travel Buddy, was written and produced by Tal Minir. The voice of Scout was Sterling Ray. The Lord was voiced by Brandon Jenkins, and the guard was voiced by Jonah. The voice of Ryan was Tal Minir. A big thanks to Ilya for supporting this episode. 
If you enjoyed this episode, consider leaving us a review. It'll help other people find this podcast, and you'll also make my day. If you didn't enjoy this episode, no need to leave a review. Don't worry about it. The fire burns in the hearth, and there's still some tea in the pot. There's time enough for one more ghost story to round off the evening, perhaps with some spirited discussion afterwards. But what tale to tell? A classic from M.R. James, Oscar Wilde, or Charles Dickens? Or a newer author like Mark Nixon, Gemma Amore, Jamie Flanagan, or Laurel Hightower? Perhaps you should turn to The Shadows at the Door, cast by Mark Nixon and David Alt, where every month we unveil a new pleasing terror where atmosphere and crescendo are everything. Proudly queer British horror, available monthly wherever you get your podcasts, with two seasons ready to haunt you whenever you're ready. So pull up a chair, load up Shadows at the Door, and we'll see you very soon. À la seconde où on se parle, du monde de partout cuisine ce qu'ils aiment manger. Qu'ils préparent un, qu'ils fouettent ou qu'ils fassent leur fameuse. Dans une cuisine, on peut mettre notre touche personnelle. Sauf quand vient le temps de choisir des frites à la hauteur. Là, tout le monde est d'accord. Peu importe l'occasion, il y a toujours de la place dans l'assiette pour des frites et galettes de pommes de terre des fermes Cavendish. Vous pouvez ou même. Les goûts sont variés, le menu peut être unique, mais des frites de qualité, c'est non négociable. Les frites et galettes de pommes de terre des fermes Cavendish. Faites à notre façon, savourez à votre façon. Tu rêves d'un monde plus éco-responsable? T'espères trouver un emploi qui te passionne? Tu veux faire de ton bien-être une priorité? Avec le programme Tous engagés pour la jeunesse, Desjardins et son réseau de partenaires t'offrent une foule de ressources et d'outils pour t'aider à te projeter et réaliser ton plein potentiel dans toutes les sphères de ta vie. Pour en savoir plus, visite desjardins.com baroblique pour la jeunesse. One expects a missing cat to have a name like Whiskers or Mittens, maybe Fluffy. But this cat is named Brad. And Brad is missing. I'm here for the glamorous job of finding a missing cat. I've checked with Brad's family, and they've confirmed that he isn't someone who's been turned into a cat. He's just a cat. A normal cat who hasn't been seen for a few weeks and whose family misses him terribly. He's brown and black, extremely fluffy, and will apparently do anything for fish. I love Brad already. I'm gonna find him, and not just because of the nice reward promised for his return. The first place I go to look is the forest that borders the village. I bet there's lots of mice to catch and places to hide in there. Maybe Brad got himself stuck up a tree. Nonetheless, the forest is a secluded place this time of year. If Brad was around town, I think someone would have spotted him by now. 
I make my way around the forest, trying to listen for meows, hisses, or purring. But instead, I hear sniffling. Is someone crying? I follow the noise and see a small clearing in the forest with a small child curled up against a rock. Hey kid, are you okay? I'm fine. You don't look fine. Mind if I sit down here? Would you like some trail mix? Sure. Here. Do you want to talk about it? I won't tell anyone. I don't even live here. Are you a knight? No, but this is my sword. I'm actually more of an adventurer. What? Do you want to be a knight? Yeah, but mom says I can't be a knight. Why is that? Mom says girls can't be knights. Well, that's not true. I've seen lots of girl knights. I'm not even a girl! Well, boys can be knights too. I don't know what your mom says about that. I'm not a boy either! Oh, okay. Uh, me too. You're not a boy or a girl? Yep. I'm just... me. I want to be just me. Hey kiddo, I have some good news. You are 100% you. Non-binary and all. But mom says I'm a girl. I told her. I like girls, but I'm not a girl. She won't listen. So she says you have to be a girl and you can't be a knight. Yep. Well, how about we prove her wrong? Would you like to help me out on this, uh, nightly quest I'm on? Yeah! Alright, kid. What's your name? What do you want me to call you? Uh, Rowan. Rowan? Please kneel. I dub you Sir Rowan, Knight of the Crescent Forest. Do you promise to always be honorable, protect the land and its people, and serve the forces of good? Yes. Rise, Sir Rowan of the Crescent Forest. Are you ready for your first task? Yeah! Our mission today is to find a cat. His name is Brad. Hey, wait! I know Brad! Excellent. My best guess is that he's here in this forest somewhere, since not a lot of people come this way. That's why I'm here. I didn't want anyone to find me. Well, if you were a cat, where in this forest would you go? Uh, that way. They point down a trail to the left. It's a narrow and uneven pathway, with bushes and branches poking into it. I could picture a cat going down there. Seems like as good a place to start as any, so I tell them to lead the way. So, Rowan, why do you want to be a knight? They're just so cool and brave, and they have shiny armor and swords! I see. I want to be big and strong and fight evil. Seen a lot of evil, have you? I've mostly just seen people being mean. But I've heard a lot about evil in the Farlands. Do you know about that wizard guy, Movar? I guess he's really evil. But I want to fight him. Whoa there, Squirt. <laughs> Maybe work up to that. I know, I know. You could start with the main people in your town. I don't know about fighting them. Maybe just give them a piece of your mind. Even the adults? Especially the adults. They won't see it coming. And I'll be really sneaky. Nice sneaking demonstration. I don't suppose you see Brad over there? Nope. <sighs> Me neither. Well, it looks like this place is a bust. Not a single whisker in sight. Aww. Well, maybe Brad was here and just moved on. Where do you think we should go next? What about along the river? But don't cats hate water? 
Well, one time I saw this kitten that my friend Julie had who got stuck outside in the rain and decided that she really liked it. Now she goes swimming and everything. Huh. I guess you never know. Hey, look, there's fishes. Brad does like fish. Here, fishy, fishy, fishy. <laughs> Missed. You'll get it next time. The river is fairly shallow. Deep enough for a few fish, but not much more. It's only a little wider than the trail we took to get here. I see fewer trees by the river, which I assume is because the ground is rockier here. And, perched on one of these rocks by the water, I see a cat. Hey, Rowan, look over there. The cat. Here's the plan. I need you to chase Brad towards me, and then I'll try to grab him. Rowan sneaks around to the other side of the cat, and when we're both in position, they shout his name. This startles Brad, of course, and he runs away from the scary noise exactly towards me. Perfect. I reach down to grab him, but he slips through my grasp and runs under my legs. I turn around, just in time to see him jump into an open crevice between two rocks. Ah, oh, missed! You'll get it next time. Hey, can you fit in here? Brad ran into this hole over here, and I'm too big to reach him. I need smaller shoulders or longer arms, and it strikes me you have one of those. Sure thing. They hunker down and crawl about halfway in. I hear a disgruntled meow, followed by a shout. I got him! It's a little bit of a struggle for Rowan to back out of the hole with a cat in their hands, but they make it. Brad is handed to me. The good cat isn't trying to bite or scratch me. Just wiggle out of my grip. What a sweetheart. Rowan accompanies me back into town. They seem much happier than when I found them. I'm glad. Their smile only gets bigger when one of Brad's family members sees us walking to their door, cat in hand. It's Brad. You found him. I couldn't have done it without my partner Rowan here. They were invaluable. Rowan, my dear, thank you for your assistance. You're welcome. I can't wait to tell my son that he's back. Milo will be so pleased. Where did you find him? In the Crescent Forest. He was, uh, fishing? Fishing? Did I hear that right? Yeah, he was by the river looking at the fish. I think he was trying to catch one. Brad, you scoundrel. I'm so glad you're home. And here's your reward, as promised. Thank you. You're welcome. Now I must go find Milo. Thank you again, both of you. You're welcome. Well, Sir Rowan, I think you deserve some of this reward. A knight doesn't take payment for doing their duty. You sure? Yes. What about a tip? Can I give you a few silver pieces at least? You sure? Yeah. Thanks. You're a good kid, Rowan. I'm going to go home and tell Mother that she's wrong. That's very brave of you. I gotta be brave. I'm a knight now. And don't let anyone tell you otherwise. Thank you for side-questing with us. 
This episode, Lost and Found, was written and produced by Talmanir. Rowan was voiced by M, and the family member was voiced by Fox Cooper. The voice of Ryan was Talmanir. A big thanks to Ilya for supporting this episode. Do you have any friends you think might like this podcast? It'd be great if you told them about us. Or just steal their phone and subscribe. I won't tell. America's real history is one of giants who overcame all odds, overcame slavers and robber barons. And what did we do? Well, everyone knows we invented the internet, but we also invented the middle class, the five-day work week, the teenager, the automobile and the space race, and we're just getting started. We've been through far more chaotic times than this one, with some of the most incredible leaders on the planet, and they're ready for us to pick up where they left off. Our real origins connect us back to reality, each other, and a whole new cinematic universe to empower and inspire. My name's Matthew Cook, and I'm the host of American Origin Stories, now playing wherever you get your podcasts, where you can learn more at realm.fm. À la seconde où on se parle, du monde de partout cuisine ce qu'ils aiment manger. Qu'ils préparent un, qu'ils fouettent, ou qu'ils fassent leur fameuse. Dans une cuisine, on peut mettre notre touche personnelle. Sauf quand vient le temps de choisir des frites à la hauteur. Là, tout le monde est d'accord. Peu importe l'occasion, il y a toujours de la place dans l'assiette pour des frites et galettes de pommes de terre des fermes Cavendish. Vous pouvez, ou même. Les goûts sont variés, le menu peut être unique, mais des frites de qualité, c'est non négociable. Les frites et galettes de pommes de terre des fermes Cavendish. Faites à notre façon, savourez à votre façon. Dans le fond, peu importe avec qui je place mon argent pour ma retraite, c'est du pareil au même. Ben non. Au fond, en investissant dans un FER, un REER ou un CELI, vous soutenez les entreprises d'ici. Visitez fondsftq.com pour lire les prospectus et découvrir l'offre complète du Fonds de solidarité FTQ. harvest time in this village, which is famous for their apple orchards. Apple trees are everywhere throughout here, so much so that it looks like the village itself was an afterthought. The homes are built around the trees, and there's no rhyme or reason for the layout of the town, except, of course, to prioritize the orchards. The air smells of cider and pie, and I am so hungry. Some of the townsfolk said they'd pay me to climb trees and get the apples down from the top branches. But honestly, I'd do it for free. I really miss tree climbing. When I was little, my mom quickly learned that if she couldn't find me around, she just needed to look up. But when you're all grown up, people judge you for being in a tree for no reason. Not that I usually let that stop me, but it's nice to just climb around for an afternoon and have people thank you for it, instead of asking you why you're up there. In this town, apple picking is an entire village effort. Young kids are running around shaking trees and gathering the fallen fruit. Parents are holding ladders for their teenagers. 
I see a few grandparents sorting apples, or, having already found the best ones, starting to cook them. In addition to the several community orchards, lots of people have their own special apple trees they've been tending to for generations. Unlike the town's community apples, the bounty from these trees is closely guarded. Years of careful pruning, grafting, and fertilizing has gone into these apples, which are needed for very specific recipes. Every single apple, apparently. Of course, those with their own trees are plenty happy to share the food they make with these apples. They're just very stingy with the raw product. I guess I understand that. If you can only make your favorite recipe once a year, you're going to be protective of the ingredients. Plus, there's so many apples to pick in the community orchards, and I'm not letting a single one escape my grasp. I will figure out how to get up every tree, and onto every branch, and every apple is going to be on the ground when I'm done here. I'm deep in thought about if I could feasibly jump from this tree to the next, when I hear a cry. My basket! It's missing! The way he says this, you can tell it's probably the worst thing that's ever happened to this man. Sounds like it's time for me to get out of this tree. Where did they go? The apples from my sweetest tree! I've spent all morning gathering them and now they're gone and I think someone took them! The whole basket! Hey, so you're missing a basket of apples? Not just any basket of apples. A basket of my pristine, delectable, personal apples. I tend to these trees all year to ensure the perfect harvest for my perfect apple crumbles. But there will be no apple crumbles today! My apples have been stolen! Do you want some help looking for them? I don't need help looking. I need help taking them back from the no-good rascal who I know took it. What? Who would have taken it? No one other than my neighbor a few houses down, Alden. They've been trying to tend to their own trees, but those trees don't have good fruit. I've seen them eyeing my orchard. Sometimes they'll comment, Wow, Oliver, your trees are sure looking good. I can't wait for the harvest. They're undoubtedly jealous of my apples. I'm sure they've been planning to take them all year. Well, I don't know if Alden for sure stole your basket, but I'll go talk to them and see what they say. How about you look through the orchards and see if anyone accidentally moved it? Fine. I don't think it will be there, but I'll look. Looks like it's time for Inquisitor Ryan. I'm going to put on my detective hat and solve this mystery. Okay, I don't have a detective hat, but I'm going to solve this mystery anyway. I'll start by talking to our prime suspect, Alden. It seems like Oliver really has a grudge against this person. And personally, I'm not convinced this case is as open and shut as it seems. But it's the obvious place to start. Hi, Alden. I'm looking for Oliver's apple basket, which has apparently gone missing. He seems to think you've taken it. Of course I didn't. I don't care about his apples. But I heard your trees don't have good apples. I grow those trees because I love tending to them. I'm always trying out new ways of grafting branches and making the fruit different. 
anyone can have my apples. People are just wary of them. Oh, that's actually pretty cool. I moved here only a few years ago, and I've been trying to be neighbourly, cheer on people's hard work, compliment their gardens and stuff, but I guess I've only succeeded in getting Oliver to think I was after his fruit. He did say you sometimes talk to him about them. (sighs) So much for being nice, huh? Besides, when could I have taken them? I was over with Hazel, one of my better neighbours, helping her saw apples all morning. Anyway, it was probably Quinn trying to frame me. They've been pretty unhappy with me lately. I guess my plants are growing into their lawn or something. (sighs) I'm trying so hard to be on people's good side. But all the things I do just backfire. I'll figure this thing out. Maybe when I find his basket, Oliver won't be mad at you anymore. Anyway, thanks for the info. Our prime suspect has pointed us towards someone else. This isn't surprising. I didn't expect a confession this early in the game. But were they framed? Let's go talk to suspect number two. Quinn? Hi, I'm Ryan. Did you by any chance take a basket of apples to frame your neighbor Alden, who you're mad at for unclear reasons? Yeah, I'm mad at Alden, but not enough to frame them. I'm not going to steal some poor sap's food to enact some dastardly plan of revenge against someone else. (sighs) Do I wish Alden would make sure their contaminated plants stop growing into mine? Yeah, But the farthest I would go would be to trim those branches. And I've been alone in my kitchen baking all day. I wouldn't have known that basket was there for the taking. (sighs) Anyway, you know what? It was probably some kids trying to do a prank or something. I don't suppose you have anyone to back you up about where you were? No. I said I was alone, didn't I? I guess. Thanks for your help. The lack of credible alibi is definitely suspicious, but I do see a kid over there looking pretty guilty. She keeps glancing up at me and then looking away. And if that isn't a cue to go and talk to her, I don't know what is. Hey, did you by any chance steal a basket of apples from Oliver over there? Okay, okay. I'm sorry, I took some of the apples from the basket. I was really hungry, and they looked really good. I'm sorry, I promise I won't do it again, and I would never take the whole basket. That's too many apples. I can't fit that many in my tummy. There's only room for two, or three. Definitely not five. That's too many. I saw Mr. Jones take the basket away after I was there. I was scared he saw me and was going to yell at me, but he didn't say anything. I guess he was too busy. He probably moved it up where I can't reach, like on a table. A big table. I hate big tables. Please don't put all the apples on big tables. Hey, hey, it's okay. I promise I won't tell. Who among us hasn't snuck a few treats during apple picking? Thanks for your help. I need to go talk to Mr. Jones now. This kid might have just solved this mystery for me. Why would Jones move the basket? He was up in the trees with me. He shouldn't have been near it. Oh, there he is. Let's see what he says. 
Oliver is missing a basket of apples, and I've just received word from a, uh, very credible source that you were seen taking it away. Do you have anything to say for yourself before I drag a very distraught Oliver here to accost you? I just wanted to eat some of those apples! Oliver keeps bragging about them, going on and on about how special they are and delicious and sweet and wonderful. Ugh, I couldn't take it. I got so tired of hearing him talk endlessly about them without sharing any, so I just took the basket. Wow, that's a terrible reason. Please tell me you haven't eaten them all. I haven't. They're mostly still in my kitchen. Okay, how about you give them back, yeah? Or else you won't hear the end of his complaining about his delicious apples missing. Next time, you could try, uh, talking to him about it? <sighs> Go say sorry. Okay. And so off goes Jones to confess and apologize to Oliver. Funnily enough, Oliver had no idea Jones was mad at him. He would have gotten away with it if it weren't for, uh, that meddling kid. And me, meddling adventurer extraordinaire. Oliver also apologizes to Alden for thinking that they did it. He promises them some freshly baked apple crumble and assures them next time he won't jump to conclusions. It's actually really nice. I think I see Alden wipe away a tear. Aw, this is just what they wanted. As if inspired by Oliver, Alden also goes to apologize to Quinn. Quinn stays grumpy, but I think they're warming up to Alden. Nothing like a small crime to bring folks together. All my suspects are getting along. Well, former suspects, I guess. And just like that, our case comes to a close, with the apple basket safely returned. The sweet cider can be made, and the festivities can continue. As long as those dark clouds in the sky don't rain us out. At least, nobody is to blame if it does. Thank you for sidequesting with us. This episode, Basket Case, was written and produced by Talmanir. The voice of Oliver was Reggie Gackett. Alden was voiced by Brett M.W. And Quinn was voiced by Dallas Wheatley. The voice of the kid was Mira Lay. And Jones was voiced by David Hanna. The voice of Ryan was Talmanir. A big thanks to Ilya for supporting this episode. If you like what we're doing, consider supporting us on Patreon. You can get cool perks like behind-the-scenes content, early episode releases, stickers, and exclusive patron episodes. You'll also get my eternal love and admiration. The smallest tier starts at just a dollar, and your support would mean so much to me. But also, you listening to my little podcast means the world to me, even if you can't support the show monetarily. The fire burns in the hearth, and there's still some tea in the pot. 
There's time enough for one more ghost story to round off the evening, perhaps with some spirited discussion afterwards. But what tale to tell? A classic from M.R. James, Oscar Wilde, or Charles Dickens? Or a newer author like Mark Nixon, Gemma Amore, Jamie Flanagan, or Laurel Hightower? Perhaps you should turn to The Shadows at the Door, cast by Mark Nixon and David Alt, where every month we unveil a new pleasing terror where atmosphere and crescendo are everything. Proudly Queer British Horror, available monthly wherever you get your podcasts, with two seasons ready to haunt you whenever you're ready. So pull up a chair, load up Shadows at the Door, and we'll see you very soon. And that's this week's show. Please check for show notes for sidequesting at sonicsociety.org. Send us an email at sonicsociety at gmail.com or contact us through the Facebook groups or Twitter. But make sure you enjoy the open trail this week regardless, and we'll see you right back here as we bring the herd home. Yeehaw! Yeah, have, a, have a lovely day. Uh, come on, girl. Come on. Come Oh. Oh. <laughs> Happy holidays from all of us here at the Mutual Audio Network.